welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time Welcome back to our Triune Pod. It's our second week from Birmingham, Alabama. Nick's been in Raleigh for a long time, so who cares? But Nick, how you doing today? I'm I'm well, Ben. You're looking uh, southern. You're looking well fed. You look <laughs> you look a lot nicer. Typically in this pod, you Ooh. have like a dingy old white T-shirt, but now you got like the sweater vest, and it's great, man. You're blending. Yeah, man, in. I definitely had to up my my wardrobe for Birmingham. Very formal attire out here but um serves you yeah. well serves you well yeah. what can i say what can i say hey man i got so, a question for you uh look a little, little unrelated question where where are you at where are you at on animated movies do you like animated movies i mean i'll be honest not really but uh i, I want to want to like i mean i always want to watch like that like pixar movie that gets like a 95 percent of the tomato meter and some people talk about how it like made them really emotional but I'll be honest, it's it's few and far between when I really feel touched by them. What about uh, a kind of related genre, which I guess is a subgenre? What about anime? You know, it's it's another one of those like I'd like to. In fact, my uh, my good friend, the Reverend Jay Gardner, when he was in New York with me, he made us for a movie club watch one of the Kurosawa. I think that's the guy's oh, yeah. name. One yeah. of his movies. And it, it was, it was great. And it was, it was really good for me to watch with a group because it forced me to like stay, pay attention, not look at my yeah. phone. And so I really appreciated that. I mean, talk about like very emotional, yada, yada. Yeah. I, I saw this, I saw an, an anime. I mean, I, I this is going to betray my own ignorance. I think it's an anime movie. It's called Bell. Have you, have you heard of this? It's a, by this very famous Japanese filmmaker who makes these I think it's anime <laughs> again. It was honestly pretty incredible. It was very moving. Wow. It's, it's like hyper, hyper melodramatic. Um, and I think, you know, in ways that are, it's intentionally hyper melodramatic. And I was shocked by how like immersed into the world I was. I was kind of like, it was almost like that auto body experience where you're like, am I really that person who's like kind of moved to tears by this anime movie and i'm like i guess i am because i am just loved i was riveted i mean i saw it in a theater to your earlier point like it really helped to be in a theater so i wasn't like just on my phone like uh but um yeah man well a little you know a little plug man check, check out so it's called bell b-e-l-l-e yeah it's about like it's pretty clever it's kind of like beauty and the beast um mm-hmm. but it's it takes place mostly in this online like metaverse type world where you it's this it's this platform called you capital u like the letter u and you have this avatar in this online world and it's about this kind of like awkward freckly teenage girl who be you in this online world is this beautiful singer and then she meets this dragon figure who turns out to be this kind of similarly awkward adolescent boy who's getting like abused by his dad and it's i mean i don't know it's like and the music is like it's, i think it's because i'm so new to anime and its conventions i mean it's literally the first time i've ever seen anything in that in this world so it's like the way that they talk and like how like 
it's just i don't know it's it's very very cool yeah so bell check it out check it out folks i'll check it out too and then tell us what you think helps our also us get new listeners that's right <laughs> yeah we, we didn't really need to break into like the anime you know corner of the <laughs> globe right. man yeah yeah those who might be interested in christianity out there so all right so to the psalms we're on psalm 19 this upcoming sunday it's a whopper it's a long one it goes like this the heavens declare the glory of god and the firmament shows his handiwork one day tells its tale to another and one night imparts knowledge to another although they have no words or language and their voices are not heard their sound has gone out into all lands and their message to the ends of the world in the deep has he set a pavilion for the sun it comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about to the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can tell how often he offends? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of a great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. All right, Nick, Psalm 19, take it away. Definitely a, a whopper. Um, I think this psalm can be very coherently divided into three sections. And so maybe we can, you know, structure our conversation around those three sections. Um, the first six verses tell a very simple story. And that story is heaven speaks, the world witnesses to God, the heavens declare the glory of God. It, the psalmist is using this poetic device that is used a lot in the Bible that kind of is centers around this idea that the creaturely, that all facets of God's creation can give God praise, not just sentient human beings, but stones and rocks and trees. And here the sky itself is this not more than a vehicle for the glory of God is an active participant in the worship of God. They they declare the glory of God. And I think what it, the psalmist is doing here is that even in the kind of regularity of day and night in the way that all creatures, all living things depend on the sun's light and warmth for sustenance, that is telling this tale or telling this story of God's providential care for the world in the regularity of nature. Obviously, there is no words or language to the sun or the moon. Their voices are not heard, but the sound has gone out into all the lands. You know, the what we take for granted every day that the sun rises and the sun sets and it warmth and light and what I just said, it is this expression of God's care and concern. And I think that's like the first word this Psalm speaks is that 
the heavens declare the glory of God, that the world bears witness, the world itself bears witness to God's gracious and patient care. Yeah, and then maybe you and me are invited into that praise that's forever ongoing. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Are you like a I walk in nature to connect with God guy? Um, uh, I I am not. No. <laughs> yeah, neither. Honestly, neither am I. I. It's almost kind of like nonsensical to me when people talk about that, and they're being very honest and genuine. I'm not doubting right. them, but when they talk about that, I'm like, I just. I see cool trees and like, I enjoy being, I enjoy being outside, but I'm never like, and I love my savior, you know, like, like YouTube videos of worship songs were just like lame images of like nature, like planted onto some worship undress me Jesus song. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't get the connection, but you know, it's a biblical idea, obviously. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I, on the wrong side of that, but yeah. just a, We've frank a long, a long way to go, probably longer than some of our listeners. <laughs> No, it's not a better or worse. It's just, I don't know, man, personal preference. Yeah, it, might, but... it might be, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think one, you know, one image from this section of the Psalm that I hadn't really noticed before, obviously I'm familiar with this Psalm. I mean, I pray verse 14 every week, you know, when I preach, but um, the likening the sun to this athlete, this champion, this warrior, this runner that, you know, runs its course it's, and this will come up in the next section, but the idea that the sun exudes energy and strength. And by the sun, I mean, God, you know, exudes energy and strength through the sun. It's just, again, whether, I mean, for me, it's not really my thing. So it's hard for me to like talk about it with emotional honesty, but the message is that, yeah, in the grandeur of nature and in its regularity, and predictability, we witness God's providential care, you know, God's sustainability. Yeah, I will say I was in New Mexico last year and just the, the color of the sun in New Mexico is just ridiculous. And I guess Georgia O'Keeffe and her photography was really inspired by living out there. But unfortunately my reaction wasn't to praise the Lord. It was just to be like, wow, that's really cool. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, it's freaking hot and it sucks. Yeah. All right. Can we, can we get to the AC, please? <laughs> yeah. All right, Lord, shield me. Um, yeah. Okay. So maybe we, we drank the cup dry of uh, natural theology. Um, yeah. Second section of the Psalm, uh, verses seven through 11, if the one through six is about kind of God's physical maintenance of the world through creation, through the sun specifically, seven through 11 are about God's for lack of a better term, moral maintenance through his Torah or through his instruction or through his teaching. And there's just a lot of, you know, uh, I never noticed this again, but through the study preparing for the pod, verses seven through nine amount to six descriptions of this thing, Torah instruction. And each description has a very similar pattern. You know, it, the, the subject is a term for God's word, whether it's law, testimony, statutes, commandment, whatever. And it says something that there's a predicate to that subject. The law of the Lord is perfect. The statutes of the Lord are just, the judgments of the Lord are true. And then there's this benefit attached to it. The law of the Lord is perfect and it revives the soul. The statutes mm. of the Lord are just, and they rejoice the heart. So we get in this section, these like I would call them like promises from God or, you know, to speak more crassly, they are blank checks, you know, like the Lord has promised that his word will revive your soul, that you will be wise because of his testimonies. You will have joy because of the justness of his statutes. So I don't know, there's a lot. Of, yeah. But I mean, it kind of opens up this discussion about how Torah 
or how instruction or teaching functions. So maybe let's just start, Ben, let me put you on the spot here, theological interview. How do you interpret what the law or what Torah is here within the context of this psalm? No, yeah, I, I like what you said. I mean, I, I mean, I think at times we talk about, we might hear about the law as some crushing thing. And of course, like anything else, the Torah can be and has been used in that way. And Paul talks about that. But there's also like, I mean, the classic example that's kind of dumb, but true. Like when you're playing a sport, uh, the sport doesn't make any sense. The sport is not fun without the rules per se, without the parameters of the game. And I think when you interpret the Torah as this invitation to the good life, as the blank check, as a promise of wholeness and wellness, it's then that we can understand the cry, more to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. Because yeah, we, we want the good life. We want to play the game and have it be fun. And I think that's the understanding that we see of Torah, probably the, the primary understanding we see in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the brothers Saul has said this thing once, and I, I think this could be, you know, misinterpreted or kind of disembedded and, and then like proven wrong. But I think the way he said it seems like absolutely true to me. It's like the law isn't, isn't simply a, like when we think of the law and especially the law as this constricting, you know, agent that breaks you down the law in that sense, it's, it's more of a question of it's as much a question of what's heard and not just what's said, right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people think, like I think wrongly, that like every form of moral encouragement has to be law because of its form, because of what's said. And it's like, well, that's just simply not true. To use your example, you know, a yeah, it was a little little sentimental, but like a wise baseball coach who like takes you after practice and like does a, a round of batting practice because he wants you to succeed and gives you instruction, but does it in a way that you just know that, you know, that, you know, that he has your good in mind. And it's like patient and humanizing, like there's nothing crushing about that. Like that's good, you know, but you're hearing it not as like, if I don't hit a home run. My dad's not going to like me. It's more like, Oh, this guy, this authority figure wants me to succeed. He's going to help me succeed. Like, that's wonderful. That's a gift. And I think, you know, the, I'm not getting into the uses of the law debate here, but just like the idea that as a pastor or as a peer or as anyone, you can kind of come alongside someone and you're moving towards them. And so they're moving towards you and you're just helping them live a good life, you know, out of the abundance of the wisdom of God's word. Like, I think that is, that makes intuitive sense that that's, that's, that's viable. Yeah. The, the example I like is the one that Philip Carey gives when the Lord says, do not be anxious. There's a way to interpret that to make you more anxious, right? Like it's right. A, well, you don't tell anxious people not to be anxious. <laughs> yeah, totally. But really what the Lord is trying to do there is, is it's, it's a promise. It's a, it's an invitation. It's not telling you, oh, you're anxious. Don't be anxious. It's this promise of like, in light of God's mercy, um, you are kind of invited into something or being drawn into something, mm, a good yeah. life, wholeness, anti-anxiety pills, etc. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So if the, you know, first six verses of this Psalm is like the sun, like an athlete or a warrior exudes this energy and strength. And it testifies to God's energy and strength. The second section is how God's teaching God's instruction likewise imparts vigor. 
and it enables us to do the good, to live the good life. It revives us. It gives us wisdom. It gives light to our eyes. Um, and but there's this. The third section is a is a weird U-turn because we go from celebrating God's majesty in the sun and created order to celebrating the richness and the sweetness of God's word, and then it ends on this like, "Help me, Lord, I'm not doing it well." Yeah, and I think the bridge in is is in verse eleven, and specifically in the way that that word enlightened gets translated variously in different translations of the Bible. So like in our prayer book, it's by them also by them, meaning the word of God is your servant enlightened and in keeping them, there's great reward. That word in the King James, for example, is by them also is your servant warned. It has like negative connotations. Like the Bible is this warning about what not to do. And it holds out the promises of what to do. And that in and of itself is not particularly good news. You know, like it's, it's helpful. It's first use of the law. It's like, yeah, there's a right way to live and there's a wrong way to live. And that is in and of itself a gift, but no, that knowledge does not empower obedience and the word of God alone will not save you. And we, and that is witnessed to in this text, because what happens in verse 12, it's like, yeah, Lord, I know that your word gives light to my eyes, but I, I don't even know how often I'm breaking it, <laughs> you know, like, and therefore I'm going to have to pray to cleanse me from sins that I don't even know about. Because the problem goes so deep within me that even knowing that your word is sweet is not in and of itself going to compel or enjoin like the obedience that you want. And, uh, and so what, and so the Psalm ends on this, I think, note on like grounded and appropriate respect for what, for all that God commands. It's like, keep your servant from presumptuous sins like sin is power, you know, a la Fleming Rutledge, let them not get dominion over me. Like these sins have power over me. I can't just choose and not choose. I have like constricted in ways that transcend my own agency. And it's only when I'm guarded by God and kept free from the power of sin, then I will be whole and sound and innocent. And so let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In some ways, this Psalm is just a law gospel sermon. It's like, you know, it's God's majesty and grandeur and creation, God's gift of righteousness and joy and peace and his word. And like, that's all good, but it ends with like, in and of that display of kindness and grandeur is in and of itself, not enough. I need the gospel. I need to be kept um, whole and sound and the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart have to be rendered acceptable. And, you know, this is a Psalm as Christians, we interpret that making acceptable through the death and resurrection of Jesus, you know? So it's like, we can read this Psalm and celebrate all that it says about creation and all that it says about scripture, but we have to read it ultimately in light of Christ who makes our words and meditations acceptable in God's sight. Which makes me all the more want to pray this before every sermon. I'm going to give you the law. I'm going to give you, you know, what's yeah. good about creation, but God knows if I don't give you the gospel, if I don't get me the gospel, I have not no idea how much I'm breaking this stuff. I, I like that. I like that. Maybe I'm going to make this yeah. my, uh, my always pre-sermon prayer. Sometimes I jump around, but this is oh, I, I only do this. And it's mostly because it's just the, like, 
decision fatigue. You know, it's like, I don't want to think about what I'm going to pray. I don't want to have to like telegraph my spirituality by like praying something profound. It's just like, yeah, you know what I'm gonna pray now, right? Oh, yep. But the words of my, I, I don't know, it's just, it's like modest in a way that feels right. But I'm not, of course, I'm not criticizing people who don't pray it and saying that they're not <laughs> modest. I'm just saying for me, that's like, it's, it's helpful. Can you see you guys? Sometimes we get complaints. We got to anticipate them before they come. So. That's right. That's I'm like, I'm so flowery and like pretentious and all the other words I use in my sermons that like, this is just modesty for me. can be helpful. Amen. All right. Pray us. All right, man. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. One day tells its tale to another and one night imparts knowledge to another. Although they have no words or language and their voices are not heard, their sound has gone out into all the lands and their message to the ends of the world. In the deep has he set a pavilion for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about to the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can tell how often he offends? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, Keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of a great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast. <laughs>